First thing that I want you to think about when it comes to walking your dog on leash is are you putting them in a situation where you're likely going to start with a struggle? We published a video not that long ago. We had instructor Carol was the one that uh, did it. We talked about the wins you can get before you even leave the house. Yeah. And this was a game changer for me. Um, this is going to be a game changer. If you have a dog, the moment you leave the door, they're pulling already. Uh, you need to start with a win. You need to let the, your dog know that there's something of value. There's some reason to check in with you before you even start out on that walk. So the first thing I want you to think about, the first tip is, is it the right environment mm -hmm. for your dog? Maybe environment. Can, yeah, you maybe, really pronounce that word. It's, yes, absolutely. Most people don't pronounce the N in that word. Environment. 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 Is it the right one for your dog? Let's talk a little bit about how people can be more successful. Yeah, actually, just as you were saying that, I just wanted to say for those of you who are, are new to um, to us, I'll talk a little bit about the McCann method because we can sort of reference a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. So when we're teaching our dogs to do anything, our belief with puppy training or dog training of, of any age, so it doesn't really matter what age you start at, it's great if you can start when they're puppy though, um, is that you need to start off by having the dog rehearse whatever you want them to do properly and consistently first. So taking walking a lead as an example, the first, you know, many experiences that your dog has on a leash with you needs to be with the dog doing whatever you want them to do correctly. And in our world, walking on a leash, we have a couple different styles of walking on leash that we teach. Um, one is a little bit more controlled where the dog walks right at our left-hand side and they're pretty engaged. They stop and sit when we stop. Um, it's a little bit more formal, a little bit more controlled. We also have a more casual style of walking where the dog could be on a six foot leash. Maybe it could be on, uh, thank you, Jackie. Um, it, they could be on a long line, eventually off leash where the dog sort of roams around us, but they're always kind of, you know, keeping their eye on us and make sure they don't get too far so we could hike them and do things like that. Yeah. And then we just have like casual stuff where you would take them up for a pee on a leash or whatever. And obviously they're not gonna walk at your left-hand side to do that. They're just gonna be out and about with you. Um, so there's a couple different styles, but they all have a common thing of, of leash respect. Bringing it back to my first point though, when your dog is experiencing any type of leash training in the initial stages, we really want the dog to understand that keeping a loose leash is really, really great. Yeah. It's very rewarding and it to uh, invaluable to be near you. So when we begin, we start off with the dog doing it correctly. And this is why the right environment is so important because this is a mistake that a lot of people make. They say, oh, I have my dog. They hook their leash on and they say, okay, let's go out for our block walk. Let's go and do our thing. And the puppy or the dog goes out and they're like, whoa, distraction overload. There's so many things. I'm going over here. I'm going over there. And, and just, you know, they we overface them. We put them in a scenario where there's just a lot going on and then our dog starts off the first little while with pulling and then they rehearse that for months and then we say we don't really like pulling anymore and then we try to change right. it so and that's fine if that's the way that it that you want to do things but the more productive way is to start off by setting up the environment around you to be easier for your dog to function in and um, we'll be specific about that in a moment and then Rehearse that. Rehearse that until your dog says, hmm, I like this loose, loose leash walking stuff. And then you can go from there. Um, there's a great question from Rebecca. You talked about multiple kinds of walking. We're, let's dive 
I'm going to go out of order a little bit. We're going to come back to our 10 tips in just a moment, but I think this is an important question okay. and I want it. To, I want us to address it because we do, we have a couple of videos that talk. We have three styles basically yeah. of walking and one is in at your side, heel, uh, you know, in heel position kind of walking. And that is probably, we use that the least amount. That's the, we use that style of walking the least amount. Can you teach both types of walking? Absolutely. Because we put it on yep. command. Yep. You know, we teach our dog that when we want to have, just don't pull me on leash. And this is eventually something that they just stop doing. You know, mm-hmm. if we're, you're working it correctly, they stop pulling on leash in general. Yep. But there's freedom to move around you. And then let's say, for example, you go for a walk at your park, local park, and you're just, you're, you know, you're working on your leash respect, we call it. And we'll say something like, with me or this way. Stay and then, close. Yeah, stay close. Whatever that thing is. Your dog has complete freedom to move around you. Just don't pull on the leash. They and have we, like a six foot threshold that they're right. not allowed to, you know, yeah. really five feet, I guess, if you make sure there's no tension. But that's I mean, if what you want to get really specific. Yeah, five and a half feet. Yeah. Um, they have to stay within that, that, right. that space. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and then let's say, you know, maybe you're at your kid's soccer game and uh, there's a bunch of other people around and you, maybe there's another dog and you don't really want your dog You're interacting on leash. Chair yeah, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And you ask your dog, okay, let's go get into my side or whatever, you know, we use the term let's go. And you can walk with that dog in a nice formal position as you go through that challenging section. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to a little more freedom and you're not too worried about where your dog is and you can say with me this way, whatever term you want to use, mm-hmm. but you can te- teach both types of walking in. I think it's a good idea if you do, because it's unreasonable to expect your dog in a heel position for a really long period of time, especially when you're in the training phase. Yeah. Um, you want to remember that dogs are very, very, very smart and they can generalize very well. Um, they're very situational learners, which means to them, you know, having leash respect and casual walking is actually a different exercise to them than, you know, healing at your side. Right. Um, it's just like sit fr- is different than down for them. Uh, these are two different things. We would use them in um, two, di- you know, different scenarios. We have different commands we have different body postures different physical cues different expectations so um it's actually quite easy for the dog to understand what's not easy is the human being consistent (laughs) between all of those things usually the dogs really get it it's it's the humans that we have to kind of make it a little bit um more straightforward and just a quick correction there uh kale said uh, your dog can't generalize very well so if you have an expectation Mm -hmm. of something you know you need to work on that in different environments they can't quite connect like you know if um so let's say you know i drive a pickup truck uh, if i get in a car i can figure out how to drive the car but your dog can't make that same connection so you need to work on that leash respect in mm-hmm. a bunch of different environments mm-hmm. need, they get better at that as they get more 100%. trained but initially when dogs are young or inexperienced that's a really hard thing for them totally to do. Mm-hmm. the next tip we have so first one the right environment setting your dog up for success is going to allow you to give good information the next one Time And I'm talking about two different things when I'm talking about time. Mm-hmm. Number one, the time of day. Number two, the length of time you're training. You're thinking like, well, what does time of day matter? Well, it can make a huge difference if you're starting to introduce more challenging environments. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, some I can choices. talk about my experience I was just going to say Florida. That. Oh, that's a great one. Okay, yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just recently went on um, a little trip to Florida and um, I took Five Alive with me and Five Alive is our, he's a, a, our puppy. He's um, just four, four and a half months old now. And um, he has never gone on a walk until last week. 
because I had nothing else to do on my little vacation because I was just you know hanging out and I thought I'm going to work a little bit on my on my walking skills now prior to four months he <clears throat> excuse me he has been on the leash a lot we have done a ton of reinforcement for following me on a loose leash for um walking out my side as we you know do laps around my island up and down my hallway up and down my driveway so he has had a ton of foundational training for walking on a leash but we've never actually taken the show on the road and so <clears throat> what i did with him because he is a four-month-old puppy and i was in a place that i've never been before um also it was really really hot there not complaining not complaining yeah. is when I would take him out for our walk, um, I did it early in the morning and very late at night. And there's a couple of reasons it was qu quite, um, uh, not as hot at that time, but there was nobody out. There was no other people and dogs. Very rarely did I see another person or another dog. And so um, we were able to kind of get out and practice, but we didn't have a lot of distractions because there wasn't much going on. Yeah. The other thing that I did is I didn't just take him for like a long walk to begin with. I practiced, you know, in the driveway of where I was staying. And then I practiced going on like a little five minute walk out and back, armed with treats, stop, had my tug toy, stop and did lots of sit. So I didn't really... I didn't really go for a very nice casual walk. I was like in full fudge training mode because he doesn't know any better. I had treats, I was rewarding along the way and he just thought it was the greatest thing. And by the end of the week, I was able to take him on multiple walks for about 15 minutes a day. Now I just wanna preface that we don't, um, we don't really encourage or we don't want to encourage you with really young dogs to do a lot of walking because it's um, number one, it's not great for them. Um, and number bad two, training, it, it, it sets them up for, you know, for failure a lot. Keep in mind, I'm a professional dog trainer of well over 25 years, 30 years. And um, I sometimes do things a little faster or earlier th than other people do. But I want you to take the lessons that I'm talking about and don't necessarily, my four-month-old puppy doesn't go for a five, 15 right. minute walk. Why can't I do that? So don't don't worry about that. Don't do, get too hung up on the details. But, but, but that walk would have looked like, you know, lamppost to lamppost. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're just going, to, you know, the goal isn't mm -hmm. to go for a kilometer It did walk. not look like how it looks like with my adult dogs right. by any yeah, stretch that, of the imagination. I think that's the, that's the disconnect yeah. a lot of people have. And I know a lot of you guys say like, well, you know, we have a training video on whatever the dog is whatever the skill is because i mean we literally have we have multiple walking videos that talk about little bits and pieces yeah. that you need you don't even realize you need it but you need these things yeah and then they'll say well try that with a wild and crazy and then they'll insert some breed breed mm. breed isn't breed, it's about the speed of yeah. your training not about the breed um they'll insert some breed try a wild and crazy dog we wouldn't we, we wouldn't put the dog in that situation no. if they're wild and crazy we're mm -hmm. going to make sure that we're giving the dog the appropriate amount of challenge mm. and if the dog is wild and crazy then the last thing you should be doing is trying to take them on a walk yeah. because they're going to fail. Yeah. What you need to do is start setting them up for success. Maybe the environment's wrong. Maybe yeah. you're uh, it's busy at that time. Maybe you're trying for too long. Yeah. There's three things that we've talked about. Yeah, and it's so dependent on the, t the dog as well. We, we yeah. had a, a puppy last year who was not very food motivated. She was uh, very highly stimulated by cars and things that are moving. Right. Oh, that's a good I could have never taken her for a walk like I did with Five. Right. Five is super uh, food motivated. He's really into me. He's a little calm reminded by nature. So you have to remember that every dog is, is very different from one another. And 
you don't want to get stuck on benchmarks as per the age of the dog. Yeah. It's really about the training. And some dogs are going to be easier. Some dogs are going to be harder. It really depends on your ability. You know, if you're not giving them good information and you're rehearsing poor things, it's going to take you a long time, a longer time to have success. If you, you know, know what you're doing and you have good timing and you have good information, you're setting the dog up for success, things are going well, you might go through the steps a little bit faster. So yeah. don't try not to get, because I see a lot of people say, what age do you do this? When do I start walking my dog more? Oh, that's good. It, you know, you don't get stuck on that because it is, Kale, do as I say, not as I do. Laugh out loud. Thank you, Joyce. Yes. Um, but it's not about the age. It's about if you look down and say, my puppy is being a rock star right now. I've got a loose leash. I've got attention. Then you're, you know, continue doing. Don't fix what mm. ain't broke. Continue doing what you're doing. But if you're at a point where most of the things that they're rehearsing are incorrect, you want to kibosh that for the moment and you want to retrack a little bit and really focus on the foundational steps. And you might spend 25 minutes to a half an hour outside but you don't leave the driveway. You might look like a lunatic doing laps around your driveway. So you still have the, the time, the yeah. length of time, which is, I guess, sort of what we're alluding to now, the length of time, but you're not doing the um, kilometers or the miles or whatever it might be. Yeah. Canadian saying kilometers. Right. <laughs> I, I think that's really important. And I think that's sort of something real. And he, here's the challenge. You go to YouTube because you think you have a problem with one thing and you search it and then you find confirmation. You have that confirmation bias where you're like, yeah, this is my problem. And that's not what your dog's really struggling with. Yeah. You know, your dog isn't ready to go. Is there, you know, it's no wonder that they're pulling on leash to go to other dogs because yeah. they have, you have, you haven't worked on any foundation. Yeah. You haven't worked on any, whatever, attention on you, on any distractions. You yeah. know, you're just not in the right place, which can make it kind of challenging, which sort of segues me into something that I just created. And I'm wondering if uh, now's the right time. I saw people, uh, a few people now ask about, uh, well, what does online training yeah. look like? And I've created a new graphic, Kale, just for you. So let's talk oh. for a moment about life skills. Okay. Oh, where do I sit? Right here? Yep. Okay. Um, actually, um, in all seriousness, what you said is really important because a lot of the time people think, oh, I want my walking to be better. I want my dog to, to come when they're called well. But when we look at the dog's overall skills, they don't have a great response to name. They don't really know how to sit on a loose leash. They don't know how to look at the person with attention. So there's a lot of things that you need to teach your dog that will actually help improve walking, even though they to the average person seems like they have nothing nothing in common with one another. And that's why doing a full fudge program is so helpful. Um, our YouTube channels, our YouTube videos are amazing. They are so great. There's hundreds of them out there. I'm sure many of you have stumbled upon them and gotten some great tips and tricks. But they really and truly are just a slice. They're just a sliver of the information. And what our online programs, um, how they differ is because the program is a, a structured step-by-step -step program that shows you how all of it pieces together but, um but, but that's not even that's not the best part <laughs> but the best part is Hold on, hon, I'm getting to it. Um, the best part is you uh, will have access to our team of instructors so that when you're working on walking and you're following the lesson and you think like, my dog's different, something's not working, you can show us a video, you can ask us questions and we can say, you know, Susan Smith, your dog needs this or Katie, your dog needs that. And we can give you specific information about your dog. We really get to know you and your dogs very, very well. Um, we have a lot of um, feedback and access us to uh, help and support. You also get to read and interact with all of the other students in the program. We have lots and lots of students and so many times people will say, oh my dog's doing this and then you see like 10 more people. Me too! And then we get to help like 
15 people at once on the same thing and you just don't feel um, as alone anymore. We have weekly Zoom calls, the list goes on. It's it's really um, quite a comprehensive course. Life skills is for dogs um, over five months. If you have a dog that's under five months, then you should look at our puppy essentials program. Um, the skills are related to the age of the dog, so. Teresa Wood, the 299 super sticker. Thank you. That's an adorable, I think that's My a hero. Yeah. I think so. Very cute. Thank you, Teresa. We do appreciate it. Um, and uh, so we're going to get on to, to number four in just a second. Tw tip number four. But uh, Lady Cassandra dropped a super chat. And that's my third toot of the night. That's a uh, lot of tooting. Lady Cassandra, thank you for the super chat. She asks, uh, my puppy class wants us to use a no-pull harness and a clip uh, to the front, not a collar. When working skills at home, is a collar or a harness better? I love where your head is at, and we definitely need to talk about this. Um, let's talk, I mean, puppies are a little bit different, but I th let's talk a little bit about why we choose a, a collar, flat buckle collar, yep. nothing un strange or unusual, flat buckle collar over a harness when it comes to training, especially when it comes to walking on leash. Yeah, the thing that's really challenging about using a harness to train your dog to walk on leash, you can walk your dog on a harness very easily, it, it distributes the weight, there's lots of, there's lots of things that make it quite an enjoyable thing to use but the thing that's really challenging about using um, any type of harness even a no-pull harness is the dogs can lean into it really well and specifically the no-pull harness when the leash is attached to the front of the dog we don't have very good control over the dog because the dog's head still has full freedom to move anywhere that it pleases and when we have uh, when we're training our dogs to learn new skills walking anything really we really want to have the leash attached to the head in some way shape or form whether whether it's a regular collar, we're big advocates of, of the Gentle Leader product, anything that's um, causing you to be controlling the head because once you turn the head, the rest of the body follows. And this is crucial for teaching things like walking on a leash because if your dog's pulling forward and you can redirect them gently with the leash to, to turn them, they quickly learn, well, I can't really barge forward because every time I do that, I'm turned in a different direction. When you're attached to the back, the dogs basically can just swim and go to town going forward. And, and it's not nearly as, um, so, nearly as effective. Yeah, and, and I, especially with the no pull, I know there's all sorts of ideas about the mechanics of things, but ultimately our goal is to teach your dog to respond the same way off leash as yeah. they are on leash. And the harness doesn't allow for, for that because of the, one of the points that we're going to talk about in just a couple of moments. I mentioned that we're jumping to point number four. It's actually point I also just want to say too, coming from a um, very highly competitive dog sport background, um, any of the harnesses where the leash is attached to the front is also horrible for their bodies um especially over time it can it can significantly um impact their mobility Changes their gait. yeah it's mm. it's it's not really that great for their yeah, bodies yeah and i know that um I know that Lady Cassandra had uh, mentioned puppy. And I mean, the reality is we're not putting, uh, you know, we're not using leash pressure on puppies no. at all. Uh, so, I mean. That's another reason that's why we make. wait till later that's to right. do some of the formal leash training because yeah. we don't really want to be putting a lot of pressure um, on, you know, younger puppies. So that's why a harness could be okay in the time being, but you're not going to train the dog on a harness. Right. Because it's not effective. Erica Anderson, I'm going to get to your super chat in just a second. I, we need to talk about point three. And it, we talk about tension on the leash mm -hmm. and one of the great things about using a collar uh, especially a flat buckle collar is that you can start to teach your dog to respond to the tension that way 
as we work through some of our skills, ultimately we can teach that dog that they can be off-leash. The transition from on-leash to off-leash is way easier if we're starting to condition our dogs uh, using some of this leash tension. Uh, Kale mentioned that uh, having control a little higher up gives you uh, more opportunity to turn the dog if you, you know, have a, a puller mm-hmm. or a dog in training. But that tension is something that we want the dog to be to know. When they're on leash, it's a lot easier for them to feel that little bit of tension on their collar and then teach them to respond to it. I mean, that's really where we're going. When we're, take, when we're doing leash walking training, we want no tension on the leash at all. The only time the dog's getting a reward is when they aren't pulling. Yeah, and that means like the clip towards that's hanging on the collar, it should be pointing towards the floor. Yeah, yeah. And we often reference like a, gen, a, a J, yeah. a gentle J we often call that's it. That's right. Um, which means there's no tension and the leash has a nice sort of J shape to it. It's not being pulled tight. It's not parallel with the ground. That's what our, our ultimate goal is so your dog can learn to walk on a nice, a nice loose leash. Which leads us to point four. People say like, I don't want to use a collar because my dog chokes when they're, when they're, mm-hmm. if your dog is choking, point four, if your dog's choking, that's not training that's like the first signal that like oh oh, i've lost control i need to change something i need to do something else maybe it's bring them back to me maybe it's turn whatever the thing is choking isn't training so uh you know that's a quick early indication that something's wrong i need to adjust i need to analyze and adjust what am i going to do next to make sure that my dog doesn't have tension on their leash We're five, the fitment. The fitment of your equipment is so important. The fitment of your equipment is so important. Let's get to number five and we'll jump back to the super chat. I see Rena and Margo also dropped a super chat. We'll keep an eye for this, but let's talk about fitment, what fitment means, what it might look like for you uh, at home. Yeah, so when you're training your dog, having a well, using, you know, good equipment, it really makes a big difference in your ability to, to give your dog great guidance. Um, if you're using a, a collar, just a regular collar, I think the most common thing is people often have the collar fit far too loose. And so when the dog goes to pull, sometimes it can actually pull right off their head or the dog can spin around really easily in the collar. Um, and when the collar is loose and we don't have good control, the dog feels that and they sense that. They think, oh, I have a little bit of leeway here. I don't maybe have to listen very well so you want to snug the collar up when you're doing your training our sort of golden rule is that it's snug enough that you can just fit two fingers in between the collar and um and their fur um obviously it's not going to be so tight that it's uncomfortable but it needs to be snugly that their dog can't spin around that's going to be really important um it's also going to be important that you use um, a a really decent leash. This is one of my big pet peeves. When people are using like chain leashes or nylon leashes or really yeah. skinny leashes or flexi leashes, all of these things are for the lack of a better word, useless for teaching your dog to walk on a loose leash because yeah. they do not give you the control that really is required to give your dog good information. So, um, you know, we prefer to use leather um, leashes in our training um, because it's just nicer to hold. It has a little bit more flexibility. They last forever. Um, they have a little bit of give to them. But the width of the leash is also really important. And we um, base the width of the leash to the weight of the dog. So if you have a really tiny dog, we have little skinny leashes that don't weigh the dogs down but if you have a bigger dog we use wider leashes so that when you're holding the leash you have way more control so well-fit equipment it makes such a difference especially specifically for walking on a leash so it's really important that you're getting the right stuff and if you're not really sure what to get we do have some guidance on our um on our online store so you can just sort of see what the different the different sizes and stuff are but um 
good equipment makes a big difference. Absolutely. And well fit. And in fact, if uh, you go to our store tonight, it's, I mean, I guess not ironically, uh, but 15% uh, off for bait oh, pouches nice. and for leashes. So I thought I'd... Uh, we have the best leashes ever. And I am not 100%. afraid to brag about them. Yeah. They're awesome. Absolutely. I was talking to someone just the other day. They're um, so soft. Uh, yeah, about um, some distribution stuff. And he said, these are amazing. Yeah. And this is a person who like understands products. Yeah. These are great. They're awesome. Um, which is very cool. And, you know, I've got... I've had mine for like whenever I started McCann. So like I've had a I have a 15 year old yeah. McCann dog's leash. Yeah. Katie Dunn business. The McCann leash is awesome. Yeah, Robbie, really great. my McCann leash is over 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. I have leashes over 20 years old yeah. as well. Oh, they great. almost get better with age because of the like what yeah. a nice leather yeah, it is. Love. Anyways. Enough about leashes. So your tips so far, the right environment, time, time of day and length of time you're training, tension, tension on your leash and your dog is choking, number four, that's not training. You need to be really aware. You want to focus on the tension. Make sure that you have that gentle J shape. The clip is hanging down. And the next couple of tips we're going to get to is going to tell you exactly how to get that out of your training. Mm -hmm. Fitment's got to fit well. That's point number five. Your equipment needs to be fit cr fitted correctly. Cause it's gonna I don't make think your, I've ever you know used the other thing? fitment before. Do you know what the other thing is that I just thought about is um, sometimes what? we get uh, students come about? into class and their dogs have these big, beautiful collars mm -hmm. and the dog could just lean into it. You know, mm -hmm. um, when we're in training, I love those collars. They're very fancy. You are a bit of a collar fiend. You, you don't even want to know how many collars my no. dogs have. It's embarrassing. I mean, they're, actually, they're night. They're pretty and they're great, and they're you can pretty. wear them to be fancy. They're but specifically colored. They're not great for training, <laughs> right? We, you don't want a great big, uh, uh, wide uh, flat no. buckle collar for your training leash or your training collar. Yeah, it's just not appropriate. My dogs have to work towards their fancy collars. Right. It, yeah. Same thing with harnesses. Yeah. It's like we don't we don't hate harnesses, but we nope. don't like them for training. Yeah. Um, because you can do it better. You can mm -hmm. you can train faster. Mm -hmm. So to get that loose leash, to get that clip hanging down, we need to talk about one of maybe one of the most important things you need to think about when you're walking on leash and this might not spring to mind because when uh, you're when you're going on a walk you you might not immediately thinking you might not be immediately thinking like okay I need to focus on training I, you're thinking I, I need to get to the park I need to go around the block I need to walk for 30 minutes the goal is to have great walking and maybe that includes turning Turning can make a massive difference in your leash walking mm -hmm. training because left turns will insist that your dog tucks in behind and remains at your side. Right turns signals to your dog that you don't know where we're going. You know, this walking session is kind of guided by me, but if you remain in my side, if you remain in position, you're going to be rewarded. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about how we use turning in training and how these guys can use turning to their advantage. Yeah, turning is really, really important because it allows you to kind of get back in the driver's seat again. And, and I've really noticed this, even with my own dogs, um, especially if you, if you do the same things a lot, like I know for myself, when I take my dogs for a walk, I'll walk out the driveway, I'll turn right, and I'll walk towards a nearby school. And usually when I get to a school, we'll go and we'll play Frisbee or there's a trail back there. All fun things happen when you turn right out of the driveway. And um, often what happens when I'm first training the dogs is we go out the driveway, we start to turn right, and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, we're going to the park. This is awesome. And they want to speed up and they want to, you know, they want to barge forward because they're anticipating where they're going. Turning allows the dog to not necessarily assume where you're going. So when I'm working with the young dogs, I will go out the driveway and I might go left instead of turning right. Or I might go right for like maybe 10 steps and then I'll turn and go back the other direction. The dog's like initially like, 
wait a second, why aren't we going this way? And once the dog turns and they move with me, I can then yes and reward the dog for being at my side. And once my dog settles in, I might turn towards the park once again. And if my dog starts to rush forward and and lose interest and focused on me and they're they're in park mode, then I'll turn and go back the other direction. I probably look crazy to my neighbors and look like a, a ping pong ball. But after a few moments, the dog starts to recognize every time I speed forward, the option of going to the park is eliminated. We have to go back the other direction. As my dog is walking on a loose leash and things are going well, we keep moving towards the park. So it's a uh, it really just a great way to put yourself in the driver's seat. I also use it a lot when I um, am out with my dogs and I see people with other dogs. I will turn and go a different direction just to keep my dogs, you know, away from other dogs and keep them out of potentially not so great situations yeah, we need the turning's helpful yeah we need to talk mm-hmm. about that for sure mm-hmm. uh katie mentioned that she got really good at zigzag walking when she yeah had skills yeah um you mentioned uh not greeting other dogs and this brings it, it immediately uh spurred a memory in my brain i was at a i was at a uh, pet store the other day and um there's a dog in a, no, a dog owner there that had a dog and you could tell she just she wasn't sure how her dog would be greeting another dog and someone was like hanging around in looking like they really want she really wanted her dog to meet this other dog that was worried it's really important that you don't try to people talk about how they their dogs love to pull to go to see other dogs and a problem with that is number one you don't really know what that other dog is how that's going to be received um a bigger problem is maybe you're the one that's working on walking training and this other dog comes crashing into your space we strongly suggest that you don't allow your dogs to greet on leash Mm -hmm. Um, for so many reasons there's so many reasons a quick one specifically with leash walking is you don't want them to be rewarded by dragging you to something that isn't you know that is they're more is more rewarding than you can be in that situation another big one that you might not think about right away but you when you're after you're like oh yeah that makes sense is pulling on the leash changes the dog's body posture yeah. position and, and makes it makes them appear it, more stiff and yeah and it makes it much more threatening if you're approaching another dog and maybe they're in a sit maybe they're standing whatever uh, and your dog's coming in you know chest held high necks up i mean it can be very threatening to other dogs so you have to be really careful about sometimes that. dogs have like a false sense of confidence when they're on a leash and like yeah. a lot of dog fights that happen are typically not typically, but very often when dogs are on leash. We, we get a lot of yeah. these that come in for like private lessons and it's been one bad event. Um, but, you know, also the dog can't escape. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have your dog on leash and you're like, oh yeah, we should let these dogs greet and your dog's on leash. Well, now they're like, well, I can't get out yeah. of here. I'm going to have to do something. Yeah. So be mindful of that. You know, I really discourage any dogs greeting on leash, not only for your training, but just for your dog's behavioral well-being because we've um, unfortunately seen the consequences of a couple of bad several bad choices yeah we have a bunch of super chats to yeah i know i know yeah we got to jump into those some really great questions too so i see erica anderson she asks uh how to treat tiny dogs that are not food motivated especially outside well we would know we have a food motivated dog or a, a tiny dog that uh she's food motivated she though. is food motivated, <laughs> but yeah, maybe sure. i'm sure there's reasons why she's food motivated though. yeah that's um right. so we have a, a toy poodle she's only about maybe eight pounds or so she's quite little um and something that i definitely noticed through with training a very small dog is they do get full very fast um because their their tummies are so small so when you have a small breed it's really important that if you're going to be doing walking training i would suggest that you do it um even for the dog's breakfast 
breakfast or if you need something higher value than that don't give your dog breakfast before you do your training session so you're starting with a hungry puppy you're starting with a hungry dog Um, sometimes when dogs are lacking food motivation it's maybe sometimes because they're free fed which means they're allowed to eat sort of whenever versus having meals where you put it down for you know 10 minutes or in our dog's case 30 seconds and then you pick it up again you don't just let your dog graze that could help raise food motivation um you know think about what treats you're using sometimes people think that just going to the store and buying like packaged treats are going to be great for dogs i i've personally owned lots of dogs that don't really think those treats are that interesting so um i'll cut up like chicken breasts or um block cheese or this is not going to be shocking to the students that are in here tonight i really love using chicken hot dogs chicken wieners um you could also use beef wieners whatever whatever you want to use but something that's a little bit more high value um and then for a little dog i would cut it into really little pieces um so that you can reward often without filling the dog up um especially outside you want to just make sure that before you're going outside that you're conquering what you need to do inside and in fact a really good tactic for a small dog actually not even small dog any dog is before you go outside make inside more distracting so put some toys out that the dog might be interested in let the cat move around have a kid bounce a tennis ball bring some sticks and leaves and things that your dog would be distracted by outside bring them inside and put them on the floor and practice getting your dog to walk past them so that it's not such a culture shock to go from inside to outside so there's just a few few little tips i mean these are they might sound people would be like really bring sticks in the house but the 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 amount of like random things that we've suggested and tried and seen work uh you'd be surprised some of the strange ideas that come up that you're like this dog has a specific problem with this thing okay let's try this and it works um the other thing i was thinking about is maybe it's not the right environment for your dog maybe it is too noisy maybe there's some reason your dog's a little bit unsure yeah and if a dog is worried they're not going to take food so you need to diagnose that is there something going on that they're stressed about yeah so be be mindful of that um golden uh sorry rena and Margot. um my five-month-old Golden is so distracted when she walks. All she does is sit and watch everything. I have to pull her a lot to get moving. However, she rocks, walks really well when she's sitting. Let's... Okay, yeah. The next two are going to be good for you. The next two points are going to be really good for you. But mm-hmm. what sort of generalizations or what sort of general I- information can we talk about? Again, five months old. It's a really young dog at this point. So it could be that you're overfacing the dog at this point before the dog really has a lot of value for walking at your side. A dog that would rather sit and watch everything is a dog that doesn't think walking at your side is more fun. Yeah. So if you want to improve this, you need to go to a, a, um, a different location where there's not much going on with high value reward and you need to teach that dog that walking at your side is just the best thing so that when they hear that command let's go or with me or heal or whatever you're using your dog says oh boy i love this exercise i want to i want to go so you need to make sure that there's training that's had before you're doing your walking and at five months it's there's just not enough time for you to to have gotten in all of the repetitions of uh building value that would really require are they having a party back there no i think slam might need to go out in just a second um yeah Margot, Rena and Margot, the next two points I want you to really pay attention to because they're going to be helpful for you. Yes, they will also be helpful for you. Uh, one sec. I will in just one second. Let's okay. get to Hunter Shar. Uh, my four-month-old puppy isn't food motivated and he's super scared of his crate. How do I crate train him? Please help. And it's hard for us to, you know, diagnose you know, a, a, a collection of things like this. Um, there's no, there's not 
and this is what everybody wants that one way. What's the one thing I need to buy? What's the one thing that I need to do to fix this problem? There's a lot to unpack and every here. Every dog's a little bit different, but maybe we can generalize uh, some crate training stuff that you know we worked with, on with dogs that are yeah. just a little unsure of the crate. Yeah. So, um, right Hunter and everyone, one of the things that we're really careful um, about when we're doing live streams like this and talking to the general public because we don't know you and we don't know your dog is we don't want to get when we have dogs that are um, afraid of something or there's something that that includes the dog being stressed um, we need to know more about you and the dog before we give you specific uh, information because as professional dog trainers that's, that's what we need to do it would, would not be good of us just to give you just you know oh just do this because we need to know a little bit more about it um, so just a couple things I spoke about lack of food motivation for the last question so hopefully you were listening to that because a lot of those things are still going to uh, apply in terms of the um, scared of the crate um, I would just take some time to, to make the crate a better place you might practice feeding your dog in the crate you might even go as far as um, you know uh, if you have a plastic crate one of the things that we'll do is actually separate the crate yeah. from the top to the bottom and just put the food bowl in the bottom of the crate so no lids it's just the bottom of the crate uh, and have your puppy stand in there to eat their meals for you know three or four days and then put the top of the lid on but no door and have your puppy eat in there for a couple days and then sort of build the crate to, to build a little bit more value um, but there's lots of great videos um, on our channel on building more value for the crate where we practice little games where the dog runs in for food so the dog actually learns to run in on on a commands it builds a little bit more excitement uh for the dog um but at some points you know we need to use the crates for good supervision and for safety so um you might just need to put them in there and then put them in there with something fun like a like a you know stuffed kong or, or something like that but um there's a couple tips to get you started but um you know if you want something a little bit more specific i might suggest that you reach out to us mm -hmm. and um we can talk a little bit more one-on-one -on -one or book a book a lesson or get you signed up for class or something that we can actually give you more specific details on that mary h drop mary h Hi, is mary. a long time train station passenger <laughs> she's turned the lights blue and i know you really like that color i do yeah it looks good with our sweatshirts. Absolutely. Um, thank you, Mary, for the super sticker. Uh, so I'd mentioned a couple times how important turning was. Now, the combination of these next three things is going to make a huge difference. And it is, uh, I mean, I don't know how to, this This one for me was hard because in, I noticed a lot of it with male students. Using your voice during training can be so impactful you don't even recognize it yet and it might feel silly to be like this way let's go oh what a good boy nice job buddy and really get enthusiastic about it but i will tell you that it can make such a big difference as soon as you start to see that transformation as soon as you start to see attention in a situation where you didn't get it before mm -hmm. you're going to live by it now it's not like we're going to be yammering away to our dogs forever but in this training phase while we're working on some of these skills and we find that our dogs challenged by stuff using your voice can be that that one thing that allows you to walk for 15 feet when previously you'd get three steps and they'd leave you mm -hmm. it's such a great way to maintain some of your dog's attention remember it's like you know i love candy and it, you know when we go you. past these stores that have like the old-fashioned candy or like a you know fancy candies all over the place i can't help i, I want to look around you know there's all sorts of stuff but 
if I were in the middle of a conversation, in an engaging conversation, or Kayla would just say like, oh, you won't believe what I've got or something, I'm likely to pay more attention to her. So you need to do that for your dog. You know, your dog is surrounded by all sorts of environmental challenges. And if you can maintain some of their attention by using your voice, again, short periods of time, this is, you're not gonna be doing this forever, but when you need it, your voice is, might be the game changer yeah. for you. It makes such a difference. I know um, when I was teaching classes, there was lots of times where I would be like demoing with my dog or talking to the class about using more voice. And I would walk down the hallway and, you know, get walked in the hall and give an example. And then like, all the students' dogs would like come off the chairs and like want to come and walk with me because how? I can't imagine. How I was that like would be. the Pied Piper yeah. <laughs> um, because the dogs were kind of like, "Well, that sounds like a lot of fun," and it really does make um, a big difference if you're praising and you're engaging with your dog because you know they're distracted by everything that's around them, so they might as well be distracted by you and how how funny you're being. Uh, I remember actually when I was a grade one student, actually instructor Robbie, who's on here tonight. She, uh, sure she, is. she was my she was my head instructor for grade one, um, and so I fun. remember I had to train. I, I came in and I sat down on the wrong side of the room or something. There's some reason why I had to change chairs, and this is early in my training. And it, it, as I mentioned, walking on leash was something that I was continuously like really having to work on. But I got up and I said like jokingly to the to the instructors like, "Well, I don't even know where I'm supposed to sit." And for those, as I was saying that, I'm crossing the room. For those like 15 feet or that whatever that distance was, Deegan was in at my side completely attentive to me and Robbie's like did did you see that like did you did you catch that did you see what using your voice does and I, I was like wow you know then it clicked with me you know I'm not I'm not insisting that my dog maintains attention with me but I'm using this as like a bridge between mm -hmm. rewards I'm using this as something that I'm proactively gonna start using my voice if I think my dog's gonna leave me. If I think there's something, there's a distraction over there, you know, I'm gonna use distance. I'm also gonna use my voice to try to maintain mm -hmm. some of that attention so that I'm more enticing than that pile of sticks is, than that whatever. Whatever this distraction is that you're like pulling your hair out over. Um, using your voice is a powerful way to main that maintain that attention. Mm -hmm. Along with, and this goes for those of you guys who have a dog that gets distracted easily. I see lots of people that are like, I wish I could go for a walk without my dog picking up sticks and rocks off the ground. Or, you know, they're constantly sniffing. Well, I'll tell you, a huge factor in that, changing things up that's gonna make you more successful is picking the right speed. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how speed, uh, 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 how impactful speed was with euchre, for example. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, speed is really important. It, it helps with engagement. When you walk quickly, you sort of walk like you're late for something and you have that sort of quick pace, it gives the dog less time to kind of look around. Now, eventually, you want to be able to go for a nice, you know, Sunday stroll, whatever speed that, that you want to. Later on, once your dog's trained, you'll be able to do that. But all the tips that we're giving you tonight is specifically related to teaching your dog so something that you do earlier in the teaching phase you might not do you know forever you're not going to have to hoot and holler at your dog the entire time that you're going for you know a sunday sunday stroll um but the the pace is going to be really important to help keep the dog a little bit more engaged um 
The other thing that we use pace for is we use it to signal to our dog when we're going to turn or when we're going to stop by slowing down or speeding up. Um, and your dog will really start to key into those things, especially yeah. if you're using the changes of pace um, proactively and, and, and effectively for the dog. But uh, walking quickly, there's so many times when we're, we're helping students, especially in class. And I think it comes sometimes happens too when you're learning something new. Um, you know, people tend to walk slow because they're thinking about using their left hand and how to hold the leash and what they're like they're thinking about like 15 things at once and so they end up like walking like a snail right and then the dogs are like that's really common you're so boring yeah and yeah. um so we have to say to people like get going like walk 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 and as soon as they speed up you'll literally see the dog go from sniffing yeah. to like whoa where are you going and right. then like their eyes are on the on the person and they're engaged right away so that pace is really 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 important to a certain extent yeah you know um you're right there's a lot to think about and i'm sure you're like okay well i've got these eight tips or whatever where we are uh, I guess eight tips. I think about these eight tips. I also want to make sure my leash is loose and I want to make sure I've got rewards ready and I'm looking for, there's a lot to think about, but maintaining, focusing on that brisk pace, you know, all, it's mm -hmm. just a brisk pace, but it's not running because that can be just as stimulating yeah. for your dog to bounce out of position. Jump and yeah, bite to at jump you up because it's just too much. It's yeah. just overwhelming for mm -hmm. them. We have a really good video on the channel that I don't remember what it's called. It's a leash walking video and we showed like a great example of too slow, too fast, right speed. Oh, it uh, was with Euchre mm -hmm. and when we were walking at Surveying Park. Mm, yeah, it was a beautiful day, beautiful night. Uh, anyway, I'm not sure where it is. I know um, maybe if our, if our uh, moderators know where that is, uh, you can drop it in the chat. Yeah, Otherwise, I can't think about what McCann Dogs Walking was. on Leash, it'll probably show up. We have a lot more uh, Super Chats to get okay. to. Okay, so. alrighty then. Um, okay, Eric Anderson, another question. Uh, thank you for the super chat. I haven't been tooting hardly. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, thank you. Can you train a dog, uh, can you train walking nicely on leash using a toy? Yes and no. So, um, the yes comes from once your dog has like a foundational understanding of how to walk on a leash, then yes, you can use a toy as a reward. But the thing with using a toy is that um, you can't um, manipulate position with a with a toy like you can with food. So if I reach down and give the dog a toy as a reward, they're going to wiggle and move all out of position, and now I'm rewarding my dog, and they're at my side or in front of me. So um, when you can start to implement a toy into your training is when your dog has an idea of kind of how to hold position on your on their own, and then you can say yes, okay, and then you can tug for a few seconds, and then get the get the toy back, and then get them back in position, and then walk once again. Um, I used a toy a lot uh, with the previous puppy that we trained, Euchre, because she was very low. She had low food motivation and very high toy motivation. So a lot of the work that I did with food needed to be in specific environments where the food was... Um, persuasive enough for her so um it, minimal distractions certain locations you know if, that she was a little bit more interested just to kind of get the ball rolling and then if i was then i got you know a training underneath my belt and then when i would go to walk around the neighborhood for example i would take food with me but i would also take a toy with me so if she made a really good choice i brought out the ultimate reward which was the toy we would have a few seconds of tug and play then i would put the toy back away and we would carry on with our walk so it's not great for initial training of walking on leash because you cannot manipulate the dog's uh, position very easily. You can't control the turning of the head, which is really important when you're teaching walking, but it certainly can be implemented later. I think the important takeaway is that yes, it can be done. It's not the best way to do it. 
and not to teach it. Yeah, no. and, and we're focused on making sure that we give you the yeah. the best foundational way to make sure that you're successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I've actually I was thinking about sometimes that we we have, might have a video on the channel where you use rewarding uh, with a toy for. Uh, I might have been walking on leash at some point in time. So it's Maybe. possible. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good idea, especially when we're starting, because it, that's where we want you to guys to be super focused and very successful. Yeah. Michelle H. My five-month-old standard poodle carries on and, and on when left alone in the crate and out. What can I do to make her more comfortable by herself? Um, again, hard to give a specific answer, Michelle, because we don't know the whole story. How long have been using the crate? What does the crate look like? Where's the crate located? Are you feeding the dog in the crate? There's you know, a series right of 10 or 15 questions that we would ask you to find a little bit more more out of more information about this. But again, generally speaking, when dogs are making a lot of noise in their crate, usually there's a couple things that um, are happening or have happened. Uh, number one, when the dog makes noise, people get frustrated and they get annoyed and then they end up just letting the the dog out when the dog is making the noise or shortly after and the dog starts to figure out okay i i know you know that when i make noise eventually somebody's going to come and let me out uh so be careful that you aren't letting a dog that's making a lot of noise out of the crate that's really important um also to dogs that um are going on and on in the crate uh, probably aren't spending enough time in the crate to learn that it's a comfortable place. Um, for our dogs, when, when we start, you know, Five Alive's four months old, he's eaten, um, uh, you know, 80% of his meals to date in his crate, in the, in the door closed. So when I start dealing the food into the bowl, he all by himself right. runs into the crate and then Very stands cute. and looks at me and he waits for me to bring the bowl in there um, because he's associated something that he really enjoys with going in the crate. We've made it a really happy place. So I would maybe go back and do some fun things to, to build more value in the crate. Puppy uh, dog needs to spend more time in the crate, whether you're there, whether you're not there, making sure you're not letting them out when they're making noise um, and just make sure that you're using the crate more often because if you're putting them in the crate and every time you do so, you go out or you go to sleep or you leave, the dog starts to say, you put me in there and I don't, then you leave me and I don't like that. So um, you just want to watch it. We actually have a lot of great videos specifically on this topic on YouTube that will sort of give you much more detail than I did, but that's, I think and, those and are some you, good things to get you Maybe finding that your dog is not exercised enough before you're leaving them. That's we find that thing. with our puppies sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When he hasn't had a lot of training, a lot of exercise, he's a little bit more unsettled in the crate. When he's had lots of exercise and training, he's out cold when he goes in there. And there's it's like he's dead in there. <laughs> he's like out cold, which is great. Sammy Shipman. Hey, guys, this is my first show. I'm blind. Could you ex- please explain the snap-around collar? I've used a dominant dog collar if that helps. I have a 12-year-old, 65-pound black lab mix guide dog mozart thanks what a great name for a guide dog. cool um yeah so we have uh, we actually have videos on the channel talking about the snap around collar there's a couple different ways that people will use it we use it on the static ring so it's basically like a narrow flat buckle collar yeah that goes around and clips onto the static ring and then you have this like uh, sliding ring that you can clip your leash to mm-hmm. the nice part about the snap around collar is it sits so high up sits out at the dog's occiput like way up in the back of their head so that you have it's like power steering in a lot of cases you know it allows you to turn the dog more easily it's 
thinner than a flat buckle collar or a normal flat buckle collar and allows you to guide the dog yep. in whatever direction uh, uh, you you need to or redirect the dog. Um, I don't know, I mean, specifically for guide dog training, that's something we will do foundational training and then like special like service dogs and guide dogs and uh, other dogs will go off for their specialty. Um, so I don't have a lot of experience in what the application might be for a guide dog. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're using something like the snap around collar, um, yeah, clip it on the uh, static ring at the end of the thing and then you've got it's it's a little bit more precise control mm -hmm. I really, the snapper collar collar is great for that yeah um head control see this is what we're talking we about go. what a perfect segue Segway. speaking of segues um head control how does it help a product that that maybe these guys haven't heard of or might be confused with other yeah. products that uh, is great for head control <laughs> where your dog's head goes the body follows it's yeah. a pretty simple thing to understand and apply and that's why we talk about why head control is so important yeah um you know we do think that starting off just on a regular collar is a great uh, a great starting point but there are lots of dogs that do a a lot of pulling or they've rehearsed being pulling for a long time um, maybe they're highly distracted they're really energetic they sniff a lot there's like lots of things um, that that could be happening and if you find that you're not having a lot of success with luring your dog with food or turning or some of the other things that we've been talking about um, using something to get more head control can be really helpful and we're really uh, big advocates of the product called gentle leader now there's a lot of head hard uh, head Halters. collars halters out there on the market um, but we specifically like the gentle leader and I will tell you why um, number one it, it works on the premise of pressure rather than pain so you can use it with really young dogs you can use it with really tiny dogs you also can use it with giant dogs it's very very adjustable um, but it deals with the, the pressure rather than pain so it's it's um, a little you know nicer for that reason um but it's very powerful so what's nice about it is when the dog pulls on it they feel a little bit of pressure uh behind uh their head um and it takes all that impact off of their throat so if you have a dog that's pulling and it's like choking and gagging the gentle leader might be a really great product for you um the other reason why we like the gentle leader is there's only two straps one that goes around the nose one goes around the, the back and for that reason it's more comfortable for the dog to wear it's easier for people to use and it's also easier to wean off of later on in life because sometimes people are really resistant <clears throat> excuse me to use a gentle leader because they think well i don't have to use that forever um it looks like a muzzle or you know i don't want to have to use that i want my dog to walk without it on and um that's great we want your we want your dog to do that too that's but, the best part of uh, the gentle leader yeah you can slip the nose piece off and just use it as a regular collar and if your dog's being a little bit of a you know little crazy or a little you know a little bit too distracted you can slide the nose piece back on until you have have a little bit more control you can only need to use it in some situations but again going back to the mccann method our belief is that we want you to be rehearsing things that go well and if your walks and your experience with your dog is mainly saying no don't do this hey don't pull and right. it's negative 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 right, negative right. That is not dog, that's not our style of dog training anyways. Right. That's not dog training. But yeah. a lot of people joke that gentle leaders are like a magic dog in a box because they're so effective for just taking the edge off and calming the dog a little bit more that you can actually teach them. They're, they're in a better mind frame where they can actually learn. And then after time, you can you can walk your dog on it forever if you want to. Um, or you can only use it, you know, when you actually need it. So the gentle leader is really important. We do sell them on our, on our online store. Yeah. We actually have our specifically made for yeah, us. Yeah, we have custom ones. 
yeah they come with a, a buckle um, attachment rather than a snap which just they're a little bit they last longer they're a little bit more reliable so the yeah. snap doesn't all of a sudden like come uh, come apart on you um, so that's something that I would they I would also check don't out. have that clip from the uh, chin to the, the, the neck collar yeah um, so that you have like total control of the dog's head yeah um, I just it's it's such a great tool there's so many really students good. that I've seen like massive transformation yeah. because all of a sudden they aren't outpowered by yeah. their dog you know it's like power steering and this isn't ground. something that that I recommend for students I I literally use it with yeah. my own dog also when, beeline when I go to competitions yeah. agility competitions we pull up to a competition and she knows there's agility happening she is so so weak. You've never seen a dog so excited. And I don't want to be, you know, correcting her for pulling or being, you know, frustrated with her for pulling when I'm about to go in and do something where we need to be, you know, super teammates. So when we go to competitions, I walk her around on a gentle leader and I can hold my leash like this with two fingers and she doesn't even pull even a bit. <laughs> and it's just, it's awesome. And she's five and I'm, yeah, I, I just, I want to do something that's pleasant with my dog and that's why I think they're so we, great. We also see her settle in, you know, when we're, oh, for example, when we shot some of that footage when we were out uh, yeah. walking at the lake. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, you know, where it was busy. Yeah. Uh, I would say every they're day, great. we get a handful of different companies trying to get us to talk about their stuff on the shows at least five a day and yeah. we get nothing from gentle leader no nothing. we believe in the product that much mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you know because i've seen it you know we what? would it, never it's not just, tell you guys something that we wouldn't use ourselves yeah or that totally. we hadn't used for years and we completely believe it's it. not just like how it works it's the fact that it's built to train away from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's so great. I yeah. just love that about it. But anyway, so head control is important. The next tip, are you being proactive and consistent together? So those two things are going to make such a difference in your walking training. Yeah. Are you looking down the road? Are you... Um, are you, you know, are you really focused on what are the challenges that are coming up? Are you using your voice before your dog leaves you? Are you rewarding after three steps, not seeing if you get to 20? You know, this is where I want your head to be. I want you to be thinking about how on earth am I going to make this dog successful? Mm -hmm. Speed, um, my using my voice, maybe I'm turning. Maybe you're proactively turning before your dog starts to you know to, yeah. to, to leave you maybe that's maybe that's the point where you do that turn they're successful you make that nice turn you reward them in position i mean this is really uh, being proactive is it's hard it's everything it, it is and it's really hard for people because they just they don't quite know what that dog looks like what's the first what's the first sign that you think what do you see just before your dog leaves you what's that first indication when you're walking on leash it's where they're looking, right? Where are their, their eyes? Eyeballs. Where is their attention? And once their eyes leave you, or once you get a sense like, oh, they're very interested in that thing, that's when you need to be proactive. That's when you need to do something to get that attention back on you or maintain some of that attention, at least maintain that position, and then you can move forward. Then you can do whatever you need to do and reward your dog. The other thing is consistency. Guys, the amount of times I see comments or, you know, students will say like, well, you know, we got out halfway and then he just drags me back. That's not great training. Yeah. We want to be consistent with our dogs. So maybe for you, that means you're just going to the end of the driveway because you know you're going to be successful at 
you can be successful up until that point. Mm -hmm. What else does consistency mean, you know, in your training? Well, I think it's also like understanding that you need to be consistent wherever you go because we see this when we have students like come to our in-person classes, for example. They will get their dog out of their car, they will let their dog drag them into the class and then they get in the class and they're like, hey, stop pulling. And then they get after them for that. So the dog walks perfectly in class, but then it drags them to the car because the person changes their expectation of the dog. So the yeah. dogs learn, okay, it's okay for me to do it here, but it's not okay for me to do it here. And they can understand that. So um, we need to be consistent as, consistent as uh, teachers for our dogs, as trainers of our dogs, to make sure that we're expecting the same thing everywhere with the dog because it really makes it a lot easier. And then that consistency also needs to happen like the opposite. So if I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, in a situation where I don't think I'm going to get what I'm looking for, I'm not going to ask for it. I'm yeah, not going to. That's so huge. And I've had to do that a lot with, with Five Alive because he's so young and so inexperienced and he he's not he's not anywhere close to being fully trained yet. There was lots of times where when I was away and had him on leash a lot more than I would do here because the scenario was different, yeah. um, I would put him on a long line or sometimes I would carry him to where, because he's little, to where I was going so that he wasn't rehearsing pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. That's both I proactive just, and Yeah, I just avoided the scenario until I could be in a situation where I could engage with him a little bit more so that he's not getting poor information. He's not rehearsing that thing. It takes work. That's the way people don't want to do it. It's there's no magic potion. There's no like special thing. You yeah. gotta you gotta do the work. You gotta it, do the work. But man, is it worth it? Yeah. Like it's just so worth it because then I mean it is work. It's work up front mm -hmm. and, and you're putting in this extra effort. But then you end up with that dog who loves to listen, who wants to work with you, mm -hmm. who is a is fun to be around, who is you've already created a dog who understands how to learn. Yeah. So you can the sky's the limit. If there were one thing I, I would say I would, I want every single student to take away from our live streams, from our videos, is that the potential you you are underestimating how successful your dog can be. Mm -hmm. I know I did. I would have never imagined I could be this successful. Yeah. But I'm telling you, you don't quite get it yet. You, you put in some effort, you're going to be so pleasantly surprised, especially when it comes to your leash walking training, mm -hmm. when you're focused on these tips, right environment, the time, time of day, length of time, tension on the leash, make sure you avoid it. That's not training. If your dog's choking, you're doing it wrong. The fitment, that equipment needs to be fit correctly. Mm -hmm. You need to be using turning. Turning is going to really help you to maintain that position at your side and keep your dog kind of guessing, keep that more of a, that attention on you rather mm -hmm. than them jutting out to the end of the leash. Your voice, using your voice to bridge between those treats, using your voice to stay interesting is so powerful. Focusing on some speed. If you have a dog who's constantly sniffing, constantly picking things up, you might need to turn up, step on the gas a little bit because mm -hmm. that's going to make it more fun for your dog and it's going to be more fun for you. Mm -hmm. Head control can make a huge difference, especially if you've got a really big dog or a really strong dog. Having control of their head, their where their head goes, their body goes. That's going to be able to get you out in more places when you're walking on leash. Mm -hmm. And being proactive and consistent can make such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Now, I saw a... Um, Let's there was um, a super, super chat, chat from old veteran, and then there was also a super <laughs> chat question. Okay, where right did that question go from old veteran? I don't know if old veteran had a question. Oh, there's one here. Oh, okay. I think I think that's the question. Stand by. Uh, yep, yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, 
There was thank one you, Thank you for too. the super chat. Okay, I'll take a look. I've been lurking for a while and love your channel. Uh, I haven't had a dog for 43 years. Nice. But decided a month ago to get another one. Nice. Litter was born 4-2, so I guess a couple months out. More or less. Well, Yay! that is exciting. Very, very cool. Well, hopefully cool. we get to meet you. That's very yeah. exciting after all this time to be getting a dog. They're, that's awesome. It's such a, they're great companions. It's definitely lots of work and it will be stressful and it will be overwhelming, but it's also going to be I, super fun. Yeah. I'm excited for you. You know what? You're in the, you're, you're already making some great choices though. Mm -hmm. You know, the puppy was just born a few days ago and you're already doing your research. Yeah. That, that is so important and we love. I might suggest uh, to you that we actually actually have um, a really new uh, a brand new program that we just launched launched that last oh, month it's right on screen right oh now. perfect yeah. um, it's our puppy prep prep guide and basically it's everything you need to know about bringing a puppy home so if you haven't done this in a while it might be helpful um, it, it covers all kinds of things all the things you're gonna need um, about picking the puppy your drive home from the puppy what the first vet visit will look like how to introduce them into your house family members other pets all kinds of stuff um, so you might want to you might want to check that out you might find it helpful so, stuff that's not on our YouTube channel is on in that guide yeah a little bit more depth and thorough from Leslie Rodri <laughs> asks going back to something you mentioned earlier how did you fly with five alive please please let us know if you have any traveling flying tips we actually might have a video on traveling with your I dog i don't think we've done it yet no we keep talking about it and you keep know. saying it's not gonna live well on youtube so we don't do it <laughs> i don't know but anyways um yeah flying with five alive was eventful um it uh, actually was uneventful he was really good uh i he's small enough that he was able to fit in um a little bag to go underneath the the seat and we did lots of um training to get him comfortable in the bag first so that's something that i would make sure that your dog is comfortable um in a crate or in a bag depending on the size uh and that they're very comfortable in the car um so that they're you know they're able to to be in a motion type of atmosphere um oh gosh this is so hard there's so many so many tips and and things to think about but essentially um your dog has to be comfortable in a crate. That's really important. Uh, you want to think about when you're traveling, where are you going, what types of things are required, what vaccines are required, yeah. what things do you have to get signed. Um, the type of crate that you use is really important because there's certain regulations that you need to think about. Showing up early to make sure that your dog's calm and settled. Um, it, and it's there's not there's all kinds of things. It's not you don't you know there's so many so many new things, travel, sounds, mm -hmm. places, people, things that. That you have to be careful not to overwhelm the dog really quickly. Yeah. Like if you're just walking around with the dog, you know, in, in a super busy environment yeah. after they've just had a long car ride, which they might not have yeah. had, yeah. and you're just preparing to go on a several hour yeah. flight, uh, you need to be preparing for that. And also be mindful that this is a lot. Yeah. This is a lot for your dog. So yeah. what are you going to do if it's not going well? Yeah. So for five, I was strategic on when I fed him so that he had a pee and a poo just before we like went inside the airport so that... I could feel a little bit more comfortable that he was going to be settled. I had high value bone ready for, you know, takeoff and landing. Um, I had treats ready and I was yes and rewarding him in his little bag as we were moving up. And I think the day was just so exciting that when we actually got in the air, he just curled up and, and went to sleep, which was great. Um, in the morning, getting ready, I was getting yeah. ready to go and Ken was awesome. He um, exercised five for me, played some ball, did some tricks, got him really tired so that when we went, he was happy to kind of be calm. So there's there's yeah there's all kinds of things you can do it's not glamorous i would not recommend flying your dog if you don't absolutely have to do it 
I wouldn't recommend doing it. It's very stressful um, for both dog and for human. Yeah. Um, but it's if true. it's necessary, there's you know there's lots of things that you need to do to make life a little easier. So we've got the ten tips to stop your dog from pulling on leash. We want you to get out. I mean, this is, these are the kinds of tips that then your next training session you can literally take these and start applying them to your training. I want to say a huge thank you to our moderators who have been with us for tonight's show in our very special show. This is our anniversary show. Happy anniversary, Kale. Happy anniversary. And I want to thank you guys for joining (laughs) us with all of the teaching, all of the training, all of the things that we've done tonight, my friends. The rest is up. Stand by. We're almost there. Let's do it one more time. Okay, is it going to go? Is it going to go? Let's see. Here we go. We do these live streams to educate you, but more importantly, to motivate you. You can have the dog that you've always wanted, but it's just going to take you a little bit of work. I would know because I was just like you. Long before I became a dog trainer, I was a frustrated dog owner, but the skills that I learned at McCann's changed my life. Now we have hundreds of videos here on our YouTube channel to help you to have a well-behaved four-legged family member. But if you want someone to guide you through the dog training process, then you should check out our Puppy Essentials program for puppies under six months. If your dog is over six months, then you could join our Life Skills program and our instructors are going to help to make sure that everything goes as smoothly as possible in a really supportive environment. All of the knowledge about dog training in the world won't help you to be successful unless you get up and you start training. The real question is, what are you going to train next? Happy training.